she wants to be in the room where it happens. Do you, do you not? You, yeah, you don't get that reference. No. That's sad. She wants to be in the room where it happens, which is a Hamilton reference. <laughs> As you can tell, I have not yet seen Hamilton. <sighs> I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, on this special Independence Day episode of our podcast. And I have with me my fellow proud American, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm good, Curtis. Uh, exciting for a long weekend. I mean, we welcome, yeah, we welcome, of course, our listeners that are not in America, but today it's, you know, it's the week of uh, July 4th, uh, aka Independence Day. It's also, today, our recording day is actually uh, Canada Day. So it's like, it's like North America week. <laughs> <laughs> our, we had last week, we had a Canadian as our guest, which was uh, Zoe Rose. Uh, she did a great job. We did, you know, we talked about all things cybersecurity. Uh, this week, I just thought I'd do something a little bit different. Do you, do you have any plans for the 4th? With everything going on, probably not. I know normally we go and see fireworks at the nearby park, yeah. but I don't think they're doing fireworks this year. No, they're no fire. They don't want people gathering, right? They don't want people gathering. But I have a really important question for you. What's that? What are you grilling this weekend? <laughs> you know, I actually haven't. You know what? Uh, now that you mention it, how could you not be grilling, Curtis? You know, I, I've been so busy with a lot of other things. I hadn't actually. I'm pretty sure I have some of my aged rib steaks. I've dry aged a rib roast and then sliced it up into um, aged steaks. Ooh, nice. Maybe this is the weekend the rest of those come out. You got to do something, you know? Oh, yeah, I got to do something. And hopefully, and my wife will be home, and you know why she will be Because for those of you not following the podcast, my wife and I are living separately uh, due to COVID. Uh, she's down living with her 80-year-old mother, and I'm living up here all by myself. Uh, but she'll be she'll be here for the third. And you know why she will be here for the third? It's your anniversary? No, no, that's next month. Oh. She wants to be in the room where it happens. Do you, do you not? You, yeah, you don't get that reference. No. That's sad. She wants to be in the room where it happens, which is a Hamilton reference. As you can tell, I have not yet seen Hamilton. <sighs> so but are you going to see this coming... weekend? You have no excuse now. It's coming on Disney Plus on July 3rd. Disney... I was actually just going to say Disney Plus. I have a Disney Plus subscription, so you know I will be watching. Oh, please, please watch it on the 3rd. That'll be that. There, I've given you plans for the weekend. Watch Hamilton on July 3rd. What I'm going to be interested to see is if they put the subtitles. At least one of the songs is really, really fast, and that is Guns and Ships. Most of the songs are rap and hip-hop. Right, How and most of the lyrics are sung at approximately this speed. It's roughly that speed, mm -hmm. right? But then, so the purpose of this song is it introduces the character of Lafayette, 
which without Admiral Lafayette and his ships, hence the name of the, the song Guns and Ships, uh, we, we would not have won the war, right? Thank gotcha. you, France. Hamilton has not been given a command yet. Okay. And Lafayette is trying to convince Washington to give him a command. Hmm. And so the lyrics are Lafayette. He says, I'm taking this horse by the reins, making red coats redder with blood stains. I'm never going to stop until I make him drop and burn them up and scatter their remains. I'm watching them engage in them, escaping them, engaging them. Anyway, that's wrapped in about twice the speed I just Wait, so if you watch it as a musical, how do you actually understand? Because there's no subtitles when you're seeing it live, right? Well, I, when I first heard this song, I had no idea what he was saying. I had to go Google it, right? Um, and even when I listen to it now, as I do, I listen to the soundtrack and I love the soundtrack. I, I only know what he's saying because it's because I know what he's saying, <laughs> because I already know what he's saying. Yeah, but I can't. I can't do it at the speed he does it. Um, it, it. The rapping of that particular song is is Tim. My point is, why did I bring all this up? It'll be interesting to see if I can turn subtitles on. <laughs> if I can turn subtitles on for that song and see if they keep up. I I thought I'd do just just a few minutes, just a, an homage to history, and and I can say this both for our country as well as other countries. We are only where we are due to the sacrifices and mistakes and good things that uh, of people of the past. W- would you agree there? Yep. We are not where we are without the people from before. I am a son of many generations ago, white immigrants who came over. Um, it turned out when I did my genealogy, my, my peeps, have actually been here <laughs> quite a long time, <laughs> or at least some of my legs go actually go go back to the original Great Migration, and I, I'm descended from at least one Mayflower um, uh, family, which is kind of cool. That is pretty awesome, actually. But even then, I'm, I'm still you know, no, no matter who you are, unless you are a 100% Native American, you are descended from immigrants. Uh, you know, if you live in this country, so we owe it to those who came before us and the hardships they went. Both, um, you know, just sort of regular difficulties as well as wartime difficulties, and we also are where we are because of mistakes that they've made. Right? I think we can we can absolutely acknowledge that this country did many dumb and horrible things uh, in the name of freedom or progress or whatever you want to call right the things that the things that we did to various minority groups from the. Um, Native Americans to African Americans to Asians to and we I think we've come a long way. We have absolutely come a long way. I mean, even from my childhood growing up in the South, uh, I grew up in the '60s in the South. Uh, it was a very different time then than it is now, and yet I still think we have we have ways to go. It's one of those things where you're constantly evolving and constant. Like the next generation will look back at us and say, "Oh yeah, they made mistakes too, but they're moving forward." So it's kind of a never ending, like you're never, ever done sort of a thing. I'd like to think that Lily, uh, our frequent guest on the podcast, which is my granddaughter, for those who don't follow, will look back and go, I can't believe when grandpa was, you know, was an adult. I can't believe when I was a kid, they were arguing about X. 
right? Whatever, whatever that is, there's lots of things that we're arguing today that history will show the right side of and future generations will look back at us and laugh, but we're doing our best, <laughs> you know, we're doing our best to move forward on different things. It's going to be really interesting to see how history looks back on this global pandemic that we're in the middle of right now. I think an interesting thing that always gets to me is if you go way back in time, right, and you think about like how far back people looked and it was like, oh, that was some historical event or, oh, they did things so differently. And that might have been like 100 years earlier or like 200 years earlier. I'm wondering if that time frame has gotten shorter and shorter. So say in 10 years, people look back at today and be like, oh, yeah, they did things like it would be considered historical for them or like history, like it'd be so far removed for them just because things are evolving so quickly. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it did. Well, it's the whole information age and the fact that everything moves so quickly, the news cycle moves so quickly. Uh, things that happened a week ago already seemed ancient history, right? So yeah, I, I do think that that's going to be the case. And, and and there's so much information available. Well, let me rephrase that. There is so much data. Some of it is information. The, 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 there are so many sources of, of data from everything from like this podcast, you and me just yammering on with no real research <laughs> to, to something that's well thought out and researched and whatnot, right? Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how future generations make sense of this information overload and how they how they parse that out from a historical perspective. It'll be interesting. But I, I didn't want to talk just about history, history, right? Go ahead. What, what were you going to say? I think you should do our disclaimer before we forget. And by the way, Prasanna and I do both work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are all Prasanna's. Unless it comes to history, and then it's Curtis's. Yeah. Um, and by the way, if we yeah. do in incorrectly state a fact, we're sorry. We're sorry. And feel free to let us know. Um, but I'll tell you what is a fact. The fact is that Hamilton is an incredible musical. <laughs> I want I want you to watch it this weekend so that we can talk about it next week. That's what I want. Okay. Okay. I will make sure I have it in my calendar now. Just so okay. you know. And I will text my wife and let her know that that is we yeah. are doing a movie night on Thursday. I am optimistic for the future. We've talked primarily about history. I am optimistic for the future of this country and other countries that we will at some point get a grapple on how to wrestle information out of too much data. How to how to get rid of, or at least readily identify misinformation. And, uh, if we can get, if we can get through that, um, I, I, but, I, yeah. I think the, the, uh, the, what, what do we call it? The, the sky's the limit. You know, I just, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future that at some point we will figure, I think we will figure out a technological solution to this problem that technology has created, which is, um, an, an overload of data th that much of which is false. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to say. There's always like two sides of the coin. So having all this data, making it easily accessible, all the global connectivity, it's great because now everyone's connected. You see what's going on. If you look at protests and other things happening throughout the world, now you can actually see what's going on and get information about it rather than things being hidden and censored. The downside is 
you also now have people who are like, hey, now how do we spread misinformation for our own gain or for whatever other motives they may have? And that's the hard part. It's how do you separate those out without stifling things? And and like I said, I'm I'm hopeful for the future there. So let's let's uh what what do you call it? Not morph, but uh let's segue into our favorite topic, which is data protection and backup and recovery and all those things. So here's where I will probably have to do much of the talking as if that's any different on our podcast. But oh, why? Because I precede you in the backup space uh, and, and someone precedes me. So basically we are where we are in the data protection space ah. because of all of the successes and mistakes of the past. <laughs> I agree. There's a reason we have the cloud. Uh, you could argue whether or not it was one of those, I, I think it was the perfect uh, confluence of an interesting idea with a desire, right? So, you know, a lot of people don't really realize that AWS was born out of Amazon just waking up one day and realizing that they had a ton of extra compute because of the cyclical nature of their original business model. And so they would they would have all this compute that was needed during Christmas time, but wasn't needed for the rest of the year. And then somebody raised their hand, what if we like rented this out? And that's sort of how AWS got born. Yeah. And then it's now gone gangbusters, right? But... Um, so like the fact that AWS exists is because they originally designed, um, you know, Amazon web services for themselves, but in such a way that it was very scalable and, you know, and, and so they were able to then leverage that, uh, from a backup space, the reason that we do things the way we do them, uh, you know, goes all the way back to when they, you know, when they used punch tape and punch cards. To back up, right? You you do know you do know that there was a punch tape at one point, right? I did not know about punch tapes. I knew about punch cards. Yeah. So punch tape was just like it sounds, a, a long piece of paper with punches in it. Um, and I, I never saw that. Just for the record, I'm old, but I'm not that old. So um, although I do know somebody who who could come on here who is old enough to remember these days. Uh, I never touched or used punch cards. I never used punch tape. Um, the I will the oldest piece of technology in the data center went on my first day. On my very first day, they were removing a disk pack. For those of you that know what that was, I actually don't know. So you know how modern day disk drives comprise several heads and several platters in a single what we call disk, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually several disks inside of what we think of as a disk drive. A disk pack was that, but um, like four feet high. <laughs> <laughs> and you you pulled, like there were, um, the, the, the disks would come out and there was this handle. Like you could, the, the media was removable. Um, and, and that's actually like the end of my knowledge of it because I never actually saw it in operation, but basically you, you, it was, the media was like, I don't know, like 18 inches wide. And you, and you, it was this super heavy thing that you pulled in and pulled out. That was the oldest thing in the data center when I, when I first when you uh, started there. Yeah. Um, but, and, and also, 
so many things that we do and we do them the way that we do them because of problems of the past, right? The, the reason we make multiple copies, it's because of all of the things that have happened in the past. Um, I, I wonder who of, was the first ahead. person who encountered a backup failure like that. And then they started looking at the three, two, one rule or even just keeping it off site. Yeah, do you I, know that? Do you know the history? No, I don't. I, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> because by the time I got there, we were already doing this kind of stuff, right? Uh, what I do know is the, the biggest problem we had when I first joined was that the there was a problem with magnetic head alignment. And so the the tape drives that we, that the, the oldest tape drives in my data center were what were called quick tape drives, QIC tape drives. And they were, they were quick 80s, which meant they held 80 megabytes of data. And the the problem was that the heads would get misaligned and you couldn't read a tape in one drive that was written in a different drive. And so you had to keep track of which drive the tapes <laughs> were oh, written man. in. Or else so not only couldn't. did you have to keep track of when you did the backup and from what server, yeah. but also what specific tape drive. Yeah, yeah. It, it might work in another drive or it might not. That was That was the other problem, right? Um, the other problems that we had back in the day that I, that I now laugh at when I think about it was that, um, that we had a lot of, uh, helical scan tapes, which are, uh, cassette tapes, meaning, so there's cartridge and there's a cassette. Do you know the difference between a cartridge and a cassette? I do not. Young, young whippersnapper. A cartridge LTO is cartridge. Um, you know what a cassette tape is, right? Like a regular cassette tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know a cassette. <clears throat> it means there's two spools. <clears throat> oh yeah, and then they that roll. The cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. Um, AIT, um, X, the X, the original Exabyte, eight millimeter and four millimeter. The what what you probably call a DAT drive. Mm -hmm. Those were all cassette drives. They were two spools, and the problems with those was that if you drop them, the little door that would automatically open and close might hit the ground at like just the right angle, and the door would shatter into a million pieces and fly off and then you got good at uh tape surgery you sound like you've experienced this maybe once or twice in i your have career. i really experienced it with the dds drives which were the four millimeter drives because they were very small and also uh we had a tile you know typical tiled data center and i dropped dds tapes really important dds tapes and had those doors flying apart and i've actually taken a brand new tape disassembled it like surgically and then used those parts to put on another <laughs> tape so that it would then go in the drive um so the, the thing that we learned from this is don't use tape don't drop tape on tiled floor <laughs> and well life will be i'm gonna say I've i'm gonna say don't use tape of the past how's that because these okay. are all That's problems true. that have been addressed. addressed. Uh, you know, LTO, I'll tell you this. I can tell you that LTO is incredibly resilient by contrast. And ask me how I know that. Because you tried dropping it off the side of a building? We did a music video. The music video for the song that is the theme song to this podcast. Because we were uh, doing an homage to the original music video for the original song, which was Rolling in the Deep. There's a scene in there where someone's throwing plates against the wall and they shatter into a million pieces. Mm -hmm. So I got the idea. What if we did that with an LTO tape and we would film it in high speed 
and then you know do it in slow mo the way they do it in, in the show in the original video. We did this many many times, and the only way to get an LTO cartridge to shatter was to physically disassemble it because it had like several screws that held it together, um, and then uh, re and then put it back together, and then tape the sides shut with uh, scotch tape <laughs> so that so that when we flung it against the wall, the scotch tape would part and then the, the tape would fly apart into pieces. It's an incredibly resilient piece of hardware versus what we had back in the day. That does sound like a pretty resilient piece of hardware. Yeah. And we, we also, in the video, we wanted to have tape all over the floor. Uh, just like they have in the video, they have broken pieces of, of plates all over the floor. So we wanted to have tape all over the floor. That was an interesting job pulling tape out of an LTO cartridge to unspool it. It's really long. <laughs> well, you know, a, yeah, ahead. you know, with all that data being stored on there, right? That the tape has to be a certain length. Yeah, it, it was, it was, and it, it also required, uh, it, it required a lot of tapes to get a decent size uh, pile of stuff. And I remember that those tapes were donated by Spectrologic um, back in the day. So thank you uh, to Molly, who worked at Spectrologic. Did you attach it to a car and just like drive away so you can unspool it? Or were you just <laughs> that, sitting there? That would have been really smart. No, we did not do that. We just literally, I think I probably like had my daughter do it or something. <laughs> like, so yeah, another cool. lesson learned for next time. Your daughter's like What's never that? volunteer for never any volunteer. job that dad gives Yeah, me. exactly. So yeah, so the tapes of today are much more resilient than, and 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 again, we learn from the lessons of the past, right? Uh, don't make tape that are super wimpy, and if you drop them, they die. Um, <clears throat> the and then the other thing, this whole idea of deduplication. Uh, well, so so the whole idea of using disk as a backup mechanism was born out of, uh, again, so many advances in IT. They're born out of a combination of either something that's there's a need, there's a frustration, and then there's some other change. So in the case of disk-based backup, the change was that someone got the idea of using uh, ATA drives, or what we what we would now call SATA drives, inside a disk array. Prior to that, the only place you saw ATA drives was in a PC, yep. right? So somebody said, hey, why don't we put these cheaper drives in a disk array apply RAID to it, and then we could we could have make a much reliable. cheaper disk array, right? Make, make it more reliable. Uh, and we could use it as a target for backups. And people were like, this is amazing, right? And then once, then once we had disk, affordable disk available to us as a backup medium, then somebody got the bright idea of, well, now that we can randomly access data, why don't we take why don't we do this thing that we now call deduplication? Because you can't you can't do dedupe on tape. Um, I mean, you can, right? There's actually at least one vendor. I don't know if they gave up on this, but but Commvault has played with the idea of dedupe on tape. Um, I don't know this if they ever gave up on painful. that idea. Yeah, because the problem is when you do dedupe, you need all of the pieces of media that have the various pieces of media, right? Yeah. And so I, I just remember saying, I, I really, tape is cheap enough that I really don't care what kind of benefit you're going to get from doing dedupe on tape. I think it's a, I think it's a bad idea. Especially um, for the issues that you could potentially face. 
Right. Um, because it's the opposite of raid. If you do dedupe on tape, it's the opposite of raid. No longer, you don't have multiple uh, pieces of media acting as one. You have multiple people. You you To get one file, you need multiple pieces of media. Yeah. Right? It's the opposite of raid. Um, and so, yeah, that's not a... Um, uh, th- by the way, there was also rate. Did you know that? There was a thing called rate, which is, you know, redundant array of independent tapes. Oh, there is w- that for for yeah. using in like a tape library and then you can Yeah, there was like- there was a vendor, I don't remember who who championed this at the time, but there was a vendor that was they were it was another way to try to solve the media and uh um the media reliable reliability problem mm. because they would do raid like raid five across a stripe of five tape drives, which sounds like a good idea, right? Because that way you would get rid of the, the, if you, if you lose a single piece of media, you don't lose the whole backup. But what do you think might be the problem with raiding together, striping together a bunch of tape drives? Uh-huh. What problem do you, do you create or exacerbate? <laughs> Probably. Well, there's no randomness, right? And you have to be able to stream to everything. Okay, tell me the answer, Curtis. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. What do I think is tape's number one problem today in the data center? Well, I know that we've had the discussion about why tape is not dead. So from that discussion, I'd say tape is too fast. Yes. The problem is that at this point, it's a fundamental mismatch. Yeah. And... Reader or listeners, don't be like, ah, don't roll your eyes. I think, Curtis, you should probably explain for those who may have forgotten (laughs) why you say tape is too fast, because everyone's probably like, oh, my gosh, what is he talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's just simple mathematics. So, for example, LTO8, which is the latest shipping version of LTO, has a native uh, transfer speed of 300 megabytes per second. And, an, and a compressed speed of 750 megabytes per second. So almost a gigabyte a second in terms of its ability to write data. Do not tell me that is slow. The problem is that <clears throat> backups, most backups are incrementals. Most backups are therefore very slow. They run actually at a few megabytes per second because you've got to crawl the file system, decide what it is that you want to backup, and then transfer that data. And then you're, 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 so you're transferring a backup that's a few megabytes per second. And the tape drive only knows how to run at hundreds of megabytes per second. <laughs> and, and so it, it, it does what we call shoe shining. It's a, it's a fundamental mismatch of technology at this point. Um, so if you take that and you, you stripe it together, you exacerbate that problem because now you're, you have a single giant virtual tape drive that is say five times as fast as an individual tape drive. So yeah. you, you made the problem, you made fast, one of the problems right? worse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then this idea of backup to the cloud is also one that has gone through various iterations through the years, right? Yeah, there were people initially who were like, oh, yeah, we will just use object storage in the cloud as a cheap way to store data to now where it is, hey, now we should actually do more in the cloud and we can use the services in the cloud where it's not just dumb storage, but we're actually doing smart things in the cloud. Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, you look at all of the things that, that have been done. Again, we're sort of talking about history a little bit here. All of the things that have been done all in the past. So all of the mistakes and, and trials and tribulations of using tape 
as a backup mechanism. And again, it's not that it was bad. It's, I mean, there were, it was bad. <laughs> That's great. It was bad. There are definitely some really unreliable tape drives along the way. But what happened when, um, when disc came out as a backup medium, there were a lot of sales people from companies, one of which you might've worked for at one point that, you know, had marketing slogans like tape sucks, move on. It wasn't that tape sucked or that so many people assumed that it was, that tape was slow and unreliable. It was actually the opposite. It was fast. Um, anyway, but all of those problems and, and stuff of the past have led us to this point where we have disc as a primary backup medium. We have, um, uh, deduplication as I'd say at this point, it's, it's table stakes for most backups. Wouldn't you say that at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially from a cost perspective, customers want that because they're like, right. especially with backups, right? I'm reading the same thing over and over again. Why would I consume all that space? Right. I'd say the only, the only exception to that would be something that's doing a replication based protection mechanism. Um, they probably don't include what we think of it when we think of as dedupe, but at least they're doing some sort of data reduction techniques. Um, so we assume that that's happening at this point. Uh, and we assume that disc is a protection mechanism at this point. Tape is still there, but tape is being used in places where it's still valuable because tape is still more reliable than disc at writing ones and zeros, believe it or not. the uh, the And getting it uh, back. What? And getting, yes, it and back. getting it back. Both reading and writing it, right? So it's, it's and for storing it for long longer periods of time, it has a better uh, uncorrectable bit error rate. Uh, it has a better shelf life, so so it has a better coercivity rate, meaning um, that's the degree to which a one could be coerced to be a zero, and vice versa. Um, it it is an order of magnitude or two more reliable than disk in each of those categories. So it's a great medium as long as you can deal with, A, that it's a serial medium, so you're not going to do random access, and also that, that you can supply it with a speed that's uh, of data that's fast enough to make it happy. So we figured out that, I think, at this point. And we, so we used uh, tape mainly for long-term archive, not for day-to-day -day operational recovery. Mm -hmm. um, and then also we figured out the cloud. Uh, well, some companies have figured out the cloud. <laughs> not, not everybody. A lot of other companies are still... I think I think they're they're clearly cloud washing some products. Yeah. They're taking they're taking products and lifting and shifting them in the cloud and say there we're in the cloud. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. You we're talking about history and how every generation you learn from the mistakes of the past and you try not mm -hmm. to do them again. Mm -hmm. But that also means that if you look at how things have progressed from a technology innovation perspective, especially in the backup space, mm -hmm. The things in the past sort of become, like you said, the table stakes, and it's, okay, now how do I innovate? How do I do things differently? Where in the past, yes, using tape was good, and then when disk and tape or disk and deduplication technology came out, in the beginning, that was very innovative, and now it became table stakes, and now sort of the next step is, okay, now those are all table stakes. Now what comes next? It's not necessarily that we're learning from our mistakes, we are learning a bit, but it's just that some things kind of become ingrained and that become the expectation. So it's not like you even get a chance to remake the same mistake again, because if you do the same mistake again, no one will buy you. Right? Or you know if what? you don't... No, but you know what? But I will say this, but 
customers continue to make the same mistake again. You know what that mistake is? What? Forgetting about backup. Yes, that I agree. And and this is a problem that has plagued me personally since I entered the IT industry, because I remember so many meetings where we would be talking about a new server, some new app, some new thing that we were so excited that we were going to get. And I was the annoying person in the room that was raising my hands and saying, are we getting this on tape? Right. <laughs> uh, the first thing I remember is we bought, we bought a, a software product from a company called Hart Hanks, right? It's still around. Uh, the hot, hot Hanks, they're in Boston. Um, all, their, all the salespeople call it Hot Hanks. Um, I have no idea what that product did. I, I think it was some sort of decision support system or something like that. What I do remember was that it ran on Solaris. And our shop at that point was a 100% HPUX shop. And we had no idea what to, how to maintain, administer Solaris systems. And we definitely didn't know how to back up Solaris systems. And so those things were purchased and in production before we had the meetings Ugh. on how or if we were going to back them up. And then I remember uh, another one was we bought, and again, I don't remember what the app was, but we bought an HP, was it a T500, a T100, T1000? There, there was this, uh, it was T something. And, and it was a new, um, it was a new server. And what I remember about it was that it was our biggest server ever. I mean, it, it dwarfed every other server we had prior to that point. It was 100 gigabytes. It was <laughs> huge. It was humongous. And now you probably have more space on your iPhone than that. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing was that it came with the same thing. It's T500. That, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It came with the same thing that all the other HP servers came with, which was a DDS tape drive, which meant it had a four gigabyte cartridge. And I think it was DDS2, not DDS4. DDS2 tape drive. It was a four gigabyte cartridge. So I remember asking, you know, and we, we had this like home-built script system that was based on using dump and tar. And it was based on one giant assumption, which was that a server was big enough to fit on a tape. Now we needed 25 tapes to oh do <laughs> to do yeah. one backup of a server. And again, that server was bought and purchased and in production before we had a, a system to back it up. So you move forward to today and we see people moving into the cloud. We see people moving into IAS services and SaaS services, and they put the system in place and they test all the important functionality. They make sure that Office 365 can you know send and receive email and attachments and- And security is okay. And security works, but it's like a head in the sand approach of like, well- you know, and nobody even looks at the, at the, um, at the, um, what do you call it? The SLAs yeah. to look for, to even look for the words backup and recovery to see if they're being handled. Because if they did, they would clearly see that it's not in there yeah. <laughs> and they would, they would ask questions and they would not. And if it was any other part of IT, they would not accept just the hand waving that you get. But do you feel that's because people don't care about backup, people don't understand backup, people just forget about all the mistakes of the past. It's like you're going to get visited on like the the ghost of Christmas past. 
I think it's because people don't want to have anything to do with backup. <laughs> that's another that's another lesson we haven't learned. I don't know if it's a lesson or whatever, but the the problem is that backup is can be a really difficult job, and so people don't want to raise their hands and uh, have anything to do with it. it. It is one of the most difficult parts of IT, or it can be if you're having to maintain a typical backup system. I, I'd say with with our system, it's way easier, right? But mm-hmm. but with the typical backup system, then you you have to do all that capacity management or performance management and fix all these broken backups all the time. And nobody wants to do that. And so it's easier. And so if they just hear a hint from their Office 365 rep, it's now called Microsoft 365, from their Microsoft 365 rep that, you know, if they get if they just hear a hint that, you know, they've got data protection features integrated, then they just, I think they want, it, it's like willful. They want to believe. They, yeah. <laughs> they want to believe. And is it also one of the things where you feel that backup is only when things go wrong? So if it doesn't happen for a while, then you're like, why am I putting money into this until the time that you actually need it? It's kind of like car insurance. Right. It's not an inexpensive thing, right? I mean, Druva might have great pricing, but it's not free. It's a bill that they, they're they thinking that they can. I think the other thing is, I think when we look at like Office 365, Microsoft 365, or G Suite, part of their justification for moving towards a SaaS offering is quite often, well, I won't have to worry about backup anymore. They're wrong. And by, and they really want to move to Microsoft 365. They want to stop maintaining an, an exchange server. But if someone raises their hand and says, you know, we're going to have to pay for a backup service to back this thing up, it messes with their cost justification and it won't let them do the project. And so uh, I think there is there is some willful disregard for logic here. Yeah. And it doesn't help that there are at least some experts out there that think that we're all just, um, you know, it, was it Henny Penny in, um, you know, The Sky is Falling? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken Little? What? So what's who's Henny Penny? Oh, Henny Penny, more commonly known in the United States as Chicken Little. Chicken Little. Oh, in the American version of the story, the characters' names are Chicken Little, Hen Pen, Duck Luck, Goose Loose, Fox Lox. Chicken Little is a frightened by a leaf falling on her tail. So Henny Penny, it looks like, was the original name. That was a rat hole. So they haven't learned this lesson. And, and, and unfortunately, I think you're right that it's going to take a well-publicized disaster of someone and we've had we've had similar disasters. We've had a disaster in Salesforce. We've had a disaster in uh, G Suite. We've had a disaster in Amazon. We've had major incidents where companies ceased to exist. Not in Salesforce, but in G Suite and in Amazon uh, Cloud. We've had incidents where people didn't listen to people like you and me. They didn't back up their stuff. They got some sort of attack or did something accidental. And they deleted their entire account, and then they had no data, and they had no company. We haven't yet had that happen in Office 365, but at some point, it will happen. And but I still think there's there's that inertia that that this idea that backup is included in SaaS that we still have to overcome. Yep. Like you have all my data, you're backing it up, right? No, read the terms. Right, read the terms. Anyway, but I do I do have hope for the future. Uh, I do think that, you know, for a long time, we were the only cloud-based uh, data protection as a service vendor. We're no longer. We we definitely have one or more competitors coming up. And I think that more and more this will happen. 
more and more there will be companies like Druva that do data protection as a service and will take this really crucial part of IT off of your plate and solve all these problems that we've had, all the capacity management problems or performance management problems, all those go away and you just pay a monthly bill. And I think that maybe backups will get better than for a lot of people. Hmm. There's hope, Curtis. There's hope. And where there's hope, I, I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, I again wants to say, uh, although at this point it will be a happy belated Canada Day and a happy belated Independence Day for uh, our Canadian and American friends. Happy you no longer have to worry about us day to our English friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Curtis, be nice. July 4th, or as, or as our English friends call it, good riddance day. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that everyone who's listening to this has now seen you have no excuse. I mean, and the fact that it would you couldn't get tickets and it was hundred bucks for a ticket was a solid excuse for not having seen Hamilton up to this point. But after this weekend, no longer going to accept that as an excuse. <laughs> Mister Backup will come to your door and we will sit down. It. Yes, and watch and, together. And watch it together with social distancing will, and masks in place. We will be in the room where it happens. And with that, I will end this week's podcast and say thank you, Persona, for joining me. Uh, once again. Always a pleasure, Curtis. Thank you, all our listeners. Hope you had a safe and happy Independence Day weekend. Absolutely. And make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space.
run Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe 